St. Paul City Council has yet to formally debate a resolution calling for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. Councilmember Nelsie Yang tried to bring a resolution up at last night's meeting, just as Council President Mitra Jalali adjourned. All right, um, that brings us to the end of our agenda today. We thank visitors who came back to our chambers. Um, I will personally uh, chat with any constituents who want to connect with me, and with that, we are adjourned. President Jalali, I have, I have an item to put on. To we we just, to I'm sorry, we just adjourned, Ms. Yang. I'm happy to talk to you about it, though, after you, this. No, I think that's, that's, that's really unacceptable. Ms. Yang, we, we actually are adjourned. I'm sorry. That's really unacceptable. People had filled the chambers in support of a resolution, and they protested the move to adjourn, as you heard. Yang also took issue with it, calling it undemocratic. But a spokesperson for Jalali said she was following normal procedure. She also said she signed on to a letter from public officials asking the White House to call for a ceasefire. This is all happening, of course, in a larger context as constituents demand their local leaders take a stance on what is happening in Gaza. Across the river in Minneapolis... City Council earlier this month overrode a veto by Mayor Jacob Fry to pass their own ceasefire resolution. Joining us right now to talk about this mix of local and global politics is University of Minnesota political expert Larry Jacobs. Welcome back. Good to be with you, Kathy. Well, Professor, all politics is said to be local. So why are city councils and other municipal forms of government being asked to weigh in on the situation a world away? Well, I think, you know, you look around the country, and certainly in Minnesota, you see very progressive groups uh, taking control of city government in particular. And the issue about uh, Gaza and Israel's uh, conduct of the war there has drawn the ire of many Democrats, especially um, the progressive wing and Arab Americans. Um, We saw that in Michigan earlier this week, and we are going to see it for sure in Minnesota on primary night on Tuesday. This is just another expression of that in the city council. The progressive wing has increased its power in Minneapolis, and we're seeing it force the issue. St. Paul, it's a different politics, different set of political traditions, and um, the city council is saying they want to focus on local issues um, with streets and parks and police and fire being at the top of that list. Um, we should say, though, that other city councils in Hastings also has passed a, a resolution. Um, some of these councils, Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, have passed resolutions in the past on the Ukraine-Russia war, the Iraq war, apartheid in South Africa. Why is what is happening between Israel and, and Hamas such a flashpoint? In, in St. Paul, it's like elsewhere, very divisive. And the St. Paul tradition has been to try to build some kind of consensus or broad agreement. That's not the case on this. And we've heard city council members say on this issue, they're getting very strong reactions, both from those pushing for the resolution for permanent ceasefire and those who oppose it. And so they're leery of getting involved. They don't want to get distracted. They want to focus on these local issues. They say many of the protesters are not even from the city. They're from out of the city, and they're not going to be bullied. Um, I wonder, you know, most voters uh, care about really one or two key issues, right? And and I would presume local elected officials can't risk alienating them because, you know, personal relationships are key to getting work done, right? Um, what, what of that? Yeah, and that's the part of the tradition in St. Paul that's less 
evident in, in Minneapolis. In St. Paul, for many, many years, there's been a tradition of trying to bring together the community. And the city council, even though many of the members are newer members, uh, talk about that. They don't want to kind of weigh in on the issue uh, particularly quickly when they know that it's going to you know, uh, spark an intense fight. Um, Jewish members of the community, um, those who support Israel, um, you may have real questions about what's going on, but they don't think this is the right way to pursue it, um, and they don't think it's necessarily appropriate. If you had a vote on the city council, now it's unclear if there would be a majority. And um, Mayor Carter has been very lukewarm about uh, this. He sees it as a distraction and as something that's just going to fuel uh, division and acrimony. So, yes, they're activists, they're pushing hard, they're loud, they're organized, but they're not necessarily uh, reflecting the politics of St. Paul. You touched on this a little bit. And of course, there are, there are, we should say, city councils all around the country who have weighed in on this or weighing in on it, and they've passed resolutions or have decided not to pass resolutions. Are resolutions like this one maybe not productive? You kind of mentioned this. Might they create further division, create an environment where not everybody feels safe? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the issue. The activists feel that it's essential that their community go on the record on an international issue, which, you know, honestly, they're probably not going to have much of an effect, if any. Um, but they feel like this is an important moral statement. They want it. But in many communities, there's differing views. Um, and we see that in our national politics. We see it in St. Paul. And again, the city council members are hearing earfuls from both sides. Um, the side pushing back against having a resolution so far has not been very vocal, but I think we can expect them to get very vocal um, if the city council were to pass it and would face um, Mayor Carter. Is the White House looking at all this? What do you think? Uh, what do you think they're talking about behind closed doors there? I think the White House, frankly, has boxed itself in. It took such a strong position in the beginning. It first encouraged um, Israel to go full, you know, bore into this. It provided 2,000-pound weapons and a lot of other ammunition. Um, and now we're four or five months into the war in Gaza, and 30,000 people killed, according to the Gaza health officials. And its leverage does not appear to be great. Uh, the president has been making statements and privately uh, pressing the prime minister to find a ceasefire, and he's ignoring them. His political calendar is much longer off than Joe Biden, who's going to be facing voters now in the coming months. And then in November, Joe Biden's got a big problem. I think he's going to see in the coming weeks and months in the primaries a very strong backlash among Democrats uh, who are you know, intensely opposing what he has signed on for. And will Republicans look at that as a weakness? I think Republicans are just delighted anytime Joe Biden is facing uh, heartache and, and division. And, you know, the, the election in 2020 was extremely close. It was decided by really just, uh, you know, 50 or 60,000 votes in a handful of states. So the prospect that the Democratic coalition is fracturing, that that some groups of voters may just sit it out because they're so disappointed in Biden, 
or may actually vote for a third-party candidate to, sh- to demonstrate their protest. Any of that probably uh, spells the defeat of Joe Biden. So, you know, this is probably one of three or four issues that are really haunting the Biden campaign and could well lead to uh, Donald Trump's election. Wish I had more time with you. Thank you, Professor. It's great to talk to you, Kathy. We've been talking to Larry Jacobs, professor of politics and governance at the University of Minnesota.